0: welcome 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 to strictly hoops with cj miles rate review subscribe and on youtube like and subscribe there as well it's much appreciated yeah man how are you how are you how are things
1: i'm good man uh not sleeping but i'm good
0: (laughs) yeah and why aren't you sleeping because you've been in japan for many weeks and now you're back and now your clock is all twisted now your clocks all
1: All twisted all twisted that's why if you see me tweeting that random times in the middle of the night or instagram posting that's what's happening so yeah just no. i'm not going crazy or anything i'm just not i mean maybe <laughs> i am because i'm not sleeping but yeah but japan was great um outstanding okinawa is a beautiful place
0: yeah what else did you do there you mentioned a lot of food um
1: so my wife's yeah a lot of eating my wife's uh grandma is from there so she's part Okinawa and she spent some time there because her parents are air force they were stationed there so we went there for her grandma, her grandma hadn't seen a lot of family in like 20 years. Mm. She hadn't been over there. So, you know, nice getting older, that trip is a trek. So we wanted to make sure she was able to get over there. So uh my wife's parents, myself, and my wife, we went over there with her, you know, got it through a family, hung out with them, um, ate a lot of pancakes, <laughs> just uh, but a lot of food, a
0: lot of soda. The the Japanese, pa- the Japanese pancakes, right? They're delicious. Man, yo,
1: oh my mm. goodness. Mm. I told somebody. Any type of a donut, a pancake, bread, any type of that, you haven't had it until you had it over there. But I feel like that's most places when you travel. Same thing I've heard. I haven't had, like, bread in France or anything. have the same things about that stuff there. But the donuts and all the stuff I ate over there is, (laughs) I sound like a, like, like, but it was amazing. But I also, like, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was eating, like, like slow or lethargic or anything from it. So like the, whatever the way they cook in it is immaculate.
0: Natural. <laughs> it's a natural. That's beautiful.
1: There we go. But that's another conversation. We're not that. We, we ain't here for that yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, it does go to this conversation a little bit about the Toronto Raptors because uh, we are talking about energy. We are talking about yeah. being able to execute in um, yeah. pivotal games. And we're coming off of that Pacers game. The Raptors are going to be playing the Pistons tonight. So we're recording before that. But just looking back at that Pacers game for a second, I want to ask you this question. Why could the energy be lacking? And you saw it too, so maybe you have a different take on it. But, like, why would the energy be lacking in such a pivotal game where you got to win every single one of them? And just a few days ago, they were talking about trying to strive for sixth. Mm -hmm. And here they are losing to the Pacers, who are essentially tanking.
1: Um, So at this point of the year, energy is – it's got to be intentional. Like, it's got to – it's like a – It's got to be a real thought on it. Like you can't, you don't get to go out. The body's a little banged up. The season's been, you know, we played a lot of games at this point. There's a lot going on. Obviously, rotations are changing still because there's been a trade. You got new guys playing and things, so they're working their way. But it's got to be an intentional thing because the body is not that springy, bouncy body in November that's going to feel good every time you step on the floor. So, like, that's another thing you got to think about. It's another thing that you gotta really be focused on along with the game plan that you don't get to go out there and the body's not gonna respond the same way at this time of the year. So like stepping on the floor, playing hard for a lot of guys doesn't have to be a thought most times. But now it's like, yo, I gotta register, like I gotta make a mental push to make, I'm not moving the same. I'm not, the energy's not the same. We've been going at this for a while now. And I think that's one of the things um that's gotta be, you know. It's like a. It's got to be a real rally from the leaders. Like, yo, we. It's got to be. We got to really, really talk about playing hard. Because you would think it would be a given, right, for a basketball player or an athlete. Sure. Like, but and it and most guys want to, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's a real task right now. Yeah.
0: Is there a difference between um, playing with energy and playing with physicality?
1: Yeah. Um. Because I think.
0: I, uh, I think that's the problem physically- with the Raptors right now. I feel like physicality, probably.
1: you could just be out there hitting people just because, like yeah. you know what I mean. But then, because because then now you look at physicality and say the foul chain, the fouls go up because of that. These fouls also could be just because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you could kind of take them as physicality. Like I hit them, but you hit them because you was out of position. Yeah. And you couldn't get there and you wasn't ready. Not so much because somebody's been getting to the basket three possessions in a row. So you want to let them know we're not going to let you do that no more. That's mm-hmm. physicality. That's different. Or like taking the fight to somebody, like making like one of the things when I used to have to guard like the the really um good players, like the like I had to guard coming up through my career. I had to guard Carmelo, I had to guard LeBron, the way, whoever it was that came into town. Yeah. One of the ways like I was saw physicality was just or the way I used it, it's just always touching them. Like not so much fouling, but just making sure they felt you, not letting them roam Yeah, me, not letting them. Yeah. That's the way I look at physicality. Not always like just hitting people, just to be hitting people. Right. So like Mello used to hate when I did this. Like <laughs> I used to um, when I, was, especially when I was when I was in Utah, especially he used to be coming down the floor, and I would just stop in his way. Like I was, <laughs> I would just stand there, and he would just have to like run, walk through me. He could be walking, he would just have to. We could be at half court, I would just stop. And he was like, boom. He would just have to, like – but you know I'm here, though.
0: Yeah. Like, that's the
1: only thing it was. like. And I know I'm not stopping you. You're going to get 30 shots. Mm -hmm. You're talented. You make tough shots. You're going to do this. But, like, when it's time to get to that end of the game, we're going to find out, you know, how much you got left. And you great, you great. Tip my hat to you. But I can't just let you walk in here. Yeah. And just walk around because now you're gonna give me 50. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. I gotta I gotta put some put some toll on it. I gotta make you understand. Like, and mm-hmm. I used to and the other thing was I used to take if I had to, I would take a foul early. Not like just a lazy foul, but like if they ran an ISO early and he somebody, the guy try to bump me or take me to the rim, try to try to impose his will on me, I'd be like, nah, and I would it'll would be a like it'll be some type of foul or a hard foul or a real physical right. play early just to let the ref know also mm. I'm not going to back down because you're not going to call fouls on me all night. Sure. I got to sure. set the tone too. So yeah. that's the way I look at physicality. Like it's a it's a mental part of the game too.
0: Mm. Steve Clifford uh, a few weeks ago, he was asked a question about modern NBA offenses. And towards the end of the, the conversation, um, and it was actually a really thoughtful answer he gave, he said that, you know, I'm getting to a point now where I feel like You just have to be really aggressive with your defense now because offenses are so good. They can spread you out. You Mm -hmm. have players that are so multifaceted. They can do so much on the court. Um, At some point, you just have to concede that, you know, they're going to get you sometimes. But at the very least, make them feel you. Like, be aggressive and just maybe Mm -hmm. turn them over and stuff like that. And when I was hearing that, I'm just like, that's what Nick Nurse is preaching. And mm-hmm. I've been on the, the side where I'm just like, do they have to play this aggressive all the time? Do they have to be so aggressive on the perimeter? Do they have to be picking up guys when they get across half court and where you're leaving big spaces at the nail and then there's driving lanes and so forth. But um, I understand the other side too, but when it doesn't go well, it looks really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's like you said, there's so many talented players now, which is the reason why you have to be the way that Nick's preaching. Yeah. Cause if I just allow you freedom and space to be able to be creative and do what you're doing, you're going to pick me apart. At Hmm. least if I get up into you and I decide we're going to send you one way or if I can speed you up a little bit, I got a better chance that you're making mistakes. Now, you can't play the whole game that way, like you said, because guys are so talented. But you've got to pick and choose and how you want to do it and it makes sure that the other four guys that's not guarding the ball got to really be in sync with what's going on. Because that's what makes it look bad is that they got to understand, like, if we want to play this way, you got to be ready to help. You got to be – or you got to show your your body to the the guy with the ball because the guy with the ball is not looking at the the defender in front of him. He's looking – like you've seen the the interview with Luka Doncic, with J.J. Wildcat, and, and, and Luka asked – I mean, J.J. asked Luka what he's looking at when he got the ball. He yeah. says, I'm looking at who's under the basket. I'm looking mm-hmm. at if it's a big or if it's a small, and I'm looking at if he's already in the paint and got to get out or if he's outside the paint and is going to come in.
0: That's right. what he's looking
1: at. That that should tell you the mindset of how a talented guy is watching the game. He's not even worried about the guy that's guarding him. Like the guy that's, that's how good he is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I'm not even looking at him. Yeah. I'm looking at the help. Yeah. If I'm going to have, if I'm able to finish the basket or who's going to collapse and what my pass is going to be for the open three pointer. Mm. Like So that alone tells you like that the other four guys are the most important part of the defense. Don't get me wrong, we got guys like OG who are elite defensive players. Yeah. And they're going to make it really tough on guys. But even him, if I leave him on an island with a really talented guy all night, that guy's going to get some baskets. Sure, It's just inevitable.
0: Yeah. You played with Yak for a couple of seasons, right? And mm-hmm. um, now he's back in Toronto. Obviously, it's been uh, a great combo. Once That's again. such an amazing uh, he- story. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. there was an open gym clip that came out um, when the trade happened. He was talking to the team and Nick asked him, OK, like, you want to introduce yourself? He's like, come on, man. You guys know me. I'm home. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, it was a yeah, it was a it's a wonderful thing. Like he fits this t- team to a T. But when you look at him from where he was uh, when you played with them and where he is now, where has been the biggest, biggest signs of progression from your standpoint?
1: I think at at this point it's just his understanding of the game. Like it's elite, he's just, right? Like he, Yeah, he's a, he just understands what he's doing, how to do it. He yeah. understands like he understands repositioning offensively so well. But repositioning now, you watch a lot of guys like they don't know how to reposition so they just float to the three point line. It's just everybody just runs to the three point line now. It's like just make space. He understands positioning along the baseline and the short corners when he's not the pick-and-roll guy. He understands the gaps in the pick-and-roll that allow him and the guard to stay dangerous, meaning I'm not rolling too fast ahead of, the bit, ahead of the guard. I'm not too far behind. There's always a window. He understands how to stay in pockets where the people guarding the pick-and-roll have to respect both of them the whole time until the guard decides if he's passing the shooting, which is what's helping Fred so much in it. It's like you got him. You can't. You got to be in. You got to be in no man's land. You got to be in the middle because we're our pace is in sync, and him understanding those windows and gaps is tremendous in the pick and roll. Right? It don't even have to matter if he's a lob threaded or if it's excited. It's just a matter about being efficient and getting it done. And he can be a lob there. We've seen him catch lobs before. He can do it. He's got the push shot now, so he can catch it right at the free throw line under with the little step. He can shoot him off both legs like he shoots it. Off the wrong leg with the right hand sometimes, like he's got the little funky stuff to it too. And then obviously elite rim protector, like he's at the rim, he's gonna be there. Like we always used to make fun of him about getting dunked on. Obviously, when you get dunked on, you get messed with, and he's been dunked on. But like he don't like. I'm a rim protector. It's like talking to a three. It's point gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's like gonna happen. Talking to a yep. shooter about missing shots. I'm a shooter. I'm gonna miss shots. Like yeah. Um. Like like. I'm not getting the amount of shots that I change is never gonna add up to the amount of times I've been dunked on. People just highlight dunks. Yeah. That's all it, that's all it is. It might happen four times in 82 games. Mm. Now that's count up all the shots I changed and blocked. You feel me? Like, it's nowhere yeah. near four. It's yeah. four I, times a hundred and something. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I get it. Like, nobody wants to get dunked on because of the voices that get talked about it after. Yak don't care about that no more. <laughs> like, like that's clear. Like, that's why he still protects yeah. the rim the way he does. If he cared, yeah. he wouldn't be there all the time.
0: Mm. I mean, now with the, the pick and roll, and I did a video about the pick and roll with uh, Fred and, and Yak, and the things I pointed out were similar to you is that he's always an option for Fred Um, and Fred's getting um, we're seeing his passing craft it's really been shown over the past little while he's just finding ways different avenues to get the ball to yak and sometimes it's just like yak gets a deep seal right and instead of just like uh, they reset and then you know Fred does a little spin around the around the paint and they finds yak for a really like short pass and they get a bucket out of it so they're Chemistry is obviously really growing. Um, I think now you the know me. teams are they know each other. <laughs> yeah, but you teams are me. teams are snuffing it out now a little bit, and they're they're challenging Yak to finish further away from the basket. They're sending yeah. that low man. They're sending a yeah. third third defender at him, and they're collapsing the paint. And any good pick and roll combination is gonna make a team do that. Now, yeah. what's your corresponding move? How are the Raptors yeah. gonna get the engagement from from Gary or OG or Scotty yeah. or Pascal turns- to make sure? Go ahead. And
1: make sure Yak makes Yak a playmaker. That's the way we used to want to do. Well, that's the way yeah. we used to talk about. I would I would want to make the big a playmaker. So if I was gonna make a decision on it, not to like tell nobody they fell the team's watching us talk about them. But like I want Yak further away from the basket. So what I do is I let the big that's guarding him be higher on Fred. So Fred mm-hmm. has to pass earlier. So now Yak's gotta be the decision maker. We know Yak can make those plays, but I would rather I would rather Yak make those plays than Fred. Sure. So if Yak catches, I would rather him shoot a longer floater or have to make the decision if I kick to what shooter or whatever. I would rather it be him making those decisions because it's not his primary. This is why hmm. Scotty is so dangerous in the pick and roll because Scotty is a big guard. So if we're making him make the decision, he's going to make the decision easy. Yeah. That's what exactly. he does. But if I'm with it with Yak, then that's – that's the way I look mm. at it, and like you said, now it comes down to those guys making shots on the weak side, or OGs cutting on the baseline, or whatever it may be. Like those things come into play now. Yeah, but that's the that's the great use of a weapon. It makes right. other, it makes other people weapons.
0: So actually within in that vein, then um, the Raptors, you know, their half court offense is obviously much better. And they've made this pivot towards, you know, Fred and Yak being the feature part of their offense. And Pascal has isn't that person necessarily right now. <laughs> but you see ways in which they could get more out of it. Like when you see Yak yeah. uh, in the high post and we we're seeing the, they run this play where Fred along the baseline, he sets a back screen for OG and they get a lob out of it. Um, yeah. You know, finds them. It's like things like that. Um, there's so much more potential for the, the half court offense. And even looking at it like, you know, we know that Scotty and Pascal, they aren't high volume shooters. They aren't, you know, tremendous three point shooters at this point. So on the court, you only have two league average to above above league average shooters and OG and Fred. So, uh, I it, it mean, it could be a problem. But if everyone's on a string to a degree, it's like it can work. You just have to be Mm -hmm. like – you have to have a different level of connectivity. So what are some things that they could do to get the best out of all of them despite not having uh, as much shooting as you may want?
1: I think it's just like the play you're talking about, the back screening, just being creative (sighs) with who's screening for who, the movement. Like I don't – I can't think of like, you know, a specific action. It's just being creative, which Nick is and what they like to do. They like to leave it open and allow guys to kind of play the game. I think when you run too many sets with that group – then you put them in positions that teams can read all the time, which will take away a little bit of those things. Cause Everybody's switching everything. Everybody's doing everything. So, like, having them be able to, especially when you got Fred setting the screener, because they don't want to switch Fred, Fred screens. You don't want point guards on bigger guys. You don't want bigger guys on point guards. And you don't want all these things. So, like, Fred being a screener is, like, um, a really big uh, thing. It's like uh, Jerry Sloan used to use John Stockton as a screener all the time because of this rings, You got Jerry Stockton going to cross screen for Carl Malone around back screens on the block and things like that. We still ran those same plays when I was there because now it presents a decision. Especially if your guard is a tough guard, like Fred John Stockton, who doesn't mind hitting somebody, doesn't mind screening, doesn't mind being in the mix Now we're going to make you make a decision. So I think it's about making the defense have to make decisions. As far as the three-point shooting, you would like to get more from the two-guard spot besides Fred and um, OG. So like Will, whoever's in that spot, you would like to see them shoot it better and create more opportunities. But if we're creative and we're creating open shots, everybody's percentages will go up. Like Fred and Scotty, like they're not these big-time three-point shooters, but they are pros that can make open three-pointers. So we're creating open shots for them, then we'll be having a different conversation. If we create creating open shots, they'll go from whatever their percentages are, say it's 32, they'll go to 36, 37. Because they'll be corner, open, threes, open. You know what I mean? Like So now we talk about the term elite shooter. There's guys that are just very good open shooters, and that's all they need to be. I don't need you to be able to run around and run out of scr- I just need you to make this shot because the play creates this shot. And they got to have confidence to understand that every right play doesn't always equate to a make like so because you missed this corner three does not mean it was the wasn't the right play because the defense will adjust because you got an open shot whether you make it or not Yep. so you have to take these
0: you like the idea of a, <clears throat> a two-man action between barnes and pertle or siakam and pertle um but then the the defensive checks you're not really switching too much unless mm-hmm. Jakob is able to you know punish someone who's like six seven Mm -hmm. six eight which he could get there too i mean they've been using that a little bit more recently um because they're realizing again that teams are guarding him differently and they're they're challenging him to score the ball in isolation on post-ups against whoever and so they are trying but you like the idea of having like you know you run empty corner and you got fred and og on the weak side and then they're running some actions Mm -hmm. between two players a scotty uh jacob or siakam and and Jakob or and whatever the case is, yeah. but it's hard to, you got to navigate a little bit and it's, yeah. it's a hard thing to to make sure you get it, um, you know, going that's fluently. the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: the beauty of it when you got these multifaceted guys, right. Yeah. that can do all these different things. Like I always liked when I had, you got a, a, a bigger ball handler in the pick and rolls when you could pick bigger guys in it that kind of mess things up. Like who used to do it? Um, I'm bringing up Denver again, but I remember, um, I mean, even the Clippers did a little bit. They used to run a pick and roll with Blake Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, hmm. um, and then or, um, Denver used to run one with Melo and Kenyon Martin, like right at the free throw line in the middle of the floor. And they used to turn into a lob all the time for Kenyon Martin, just because those guys are not real pick and roll. To, you know what I mean? They're not. It's not something they do all the time. And they're, it's like, do we switch it because we're same size, or do I keep it? Do I? Kenyon Martin's hanging on the rim or DeAndre Jordan's hanging on the rim just because like you put people in these different positions and there's less help because now the guy that's on the weak side corner is Fred. And if even if Fred's in there to help, say, say I got a little guard in the corner that has to be the helper when whatever the whoever the big is that rolls, I'm still gonna throw it up there. Fred's not going to get that pass. You know what I mean? And this is what we talk about about being creative, just moving guys around because of that. So if I run a pick and roll with Pascal and Yak, and we talked about this before on the podcast where the help guy's got to be a guard.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: It doesn't matter if he's there or not, a lot of times, because yep. he just buries him. And I'll be alive, but I give him an extra second to bury the guy, and I, then I throw it. Hmm. Or he has yep. to stay longer, and I throw it to the three point shooter.
0: Yeah. So
1: it's just a, it's just about moving guys around and understanding how defenses are going to rotate.
0: I would relate really like to see them. Like, OG's been, uh, he had a, had a so-so game against the Pacers the other day, but uh, they've been using him more uh, in more offensive sets. And I would love the idea because like Jakub is such a good screener and you Mm -hmm. usually are going to get an advantage out of it. So you, they were doing this a little bit when uh, Pascal was, was injured and uh, OG was more of a feature option and they were just running, you know, OG off some pin downs and he gets in the paint and he's able to make some decisions or he's able to get to the rim. And then, you know, in that case, maybe you do have a Fred or a Gary on the weak side, right? And so those are your outlets. If you need them, kick out, pass, catch and shoot three, decent chance it's going to go in. Like I want to see them just get more, a little bit more creative on the offensive end. And it's been slowly, very slowly (laughs) happening. And maybe you actually know why it could be slower than we probably all want, but I think it'll get there, especially next season.
1: I, I I don't have an answer for why it's, why it's nope, moving, okay. So. But I think it's just, um, I think it's just the evolution of his game. You know, like he's just trying to, um, because we also know he's like OG is still learning discernment with his decisions with the ball too. So there's some nights he's got it kind of going, and you want to create more opportunities for him so he gets them. Like you know what I mean. So he, we do get him other things, but we know right now. His, his strength isn't coming off pin downs and making decisions and breaking people down off of that. He's good in the mid post when he's got smaller things because he's strong in his size. He's got much better at like simple isos where he's just able to size up and drive the guy or shoot it. He's got much better at that. <clears throat> but putting him in these situations like that, where there's a lot of hands, a lot of different people jumping in and out, he's still learning his pace in that. Um, and still learning his decision, but you still got to give him the opportunities when he's got it going, so he can learn and grow from him. So, but I think that's the other reason why you know, it's like if you're going to put the ball in your, in a player's hand. You want to put him in a space where you know he can succeed, or you feel like his highest chance to succeed is. It's not that he can't succeed in those positions. It's just that if I know I got a ninety percent chance, sign ninety percent chance of him scoring off a dribble handoff and a 30% chance of him scoring off the pin down, I'm not going to run the pin down.
0: Yeah. Because
1: we all know the analytics stuff is crazy. Now, they probably have those numbers. No, I'm not going to (laughs) say probably. I know they have those numbers. Because if you look on NBA.com and look up stats, they got advanced stats now in the college. It'll say, who's the best mid-range? Who's the best guy from this spot? Who's the best? You can look that up by yourself. So that's not even imaginable. Drives,
0: pick and roll ball handler, pick and roll man. Yeah.
1: So the team has got every single thing broken down. Mm. I can tell you exactly what you shoot from the right elbow when you take two dribbles. Like, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) I can get you down to that spot. So now here it is
0: with three dribbles and four dribbles.
1: (laughs) So today we're going to work on you taking three dribbles and taking this shot because you're not making it like,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Pascal's role has changed a little bit with Fred and Jakob becoming um, the main component of the Raptors' offense, and the numbers have dipped. He's, I think, over the past thirteen games or so, he's uh, he's averaging under twenty points per game, around forty-three percent. I guess, what are you seeing from from him, um, and also how is he kind of acclimating to this new new way in which he's trying to score the ball?
1: I think it's just, just the um the changing of the the positioning. Like it's just something that you go through. You know what I mean? Like the mm. when they got and 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 people I used to talk about this when I was playing, like the season changes. You there's multiple seasons in the seasons, right? There's gaps in, yeah, um uh stages and, and amounts of games where you can have twenty five games that's a totally different season than thirty of mm. them were just because of who's playing, rotation, teams you play, type of defenses play. So now we got this. The fruition that's coming from the pick and roll with Yak and and Fred, and obviously as a teammate, the basketball player, this is really working right now. I'm not gonna you 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 bow to it, you let it happen because it's helping us and it's doing. You see what we can get out of it as much as we can, so we can kind of perfect it and really make it a yeah. a thing that's a big part of what we do. So it changes like obviously there's less isos, less positions, like less time where he's in the spots that he's designated his spots all year. Like now he's got to be in different spots because of the pick the and roll. Exactly. The high post, exactly. So he's been able yeah. to kind of camp there and find his way to it in a lot of possessions, no matter how the play is going. But if I'm running this pick and roll, I can't be standing there. Yeah, I can't yeah. be there, and I can't be in my sweet spots all the time. And I think when you got your sweet spots, and you got to change them, and you got to understand how to get to them differently or you got moved so now so now my my sweet spot is it gets moved to the right wing from 15 feet out. Like that's an adjustment. Yeah. Like it's an adjustment. Yeah. And I know and we sure. can talk and he's a great player and he'll make it and he can make shots from that spot, but it's still an adjustment. You got to remember we're athletes, we're creatures of a habit. It's like we were just talking about the best the best chance of you scoring if I know it's from this spot, I'm gonna be mm. in that spot as much as I can. Sure, like if I'm a corner three yeah. point shooter, I'm not going to be standing at the top of the key. I'm mm. not like I'm not going to be there. So, when you start running plays for me that get me shots from the top of the key, it's an adjustment. Yeah, like you got to get reps, yeah. like the reps got to catch up. I've had 500 sure. corner threes and 90 threes from the top of the key. This is an adjustment, no matter how well I shoot the ball, mm. it's an adjustment.
0: It's tricky also because when he does become the feature part of the offense, that's usually when he's running with uh, some bench lineups and you don't have the same shooting gravity. In those lineups and so he's had to work on the wings because then they'll put you know a gary Mm -hmm. or something like that in the other corner so there is that outlet but also now we're getting into that stack line defense that he's always encountering and the angles are different so now you have less space you have less opportunity but you still got to score the ball
1: (laughs) yeah and even the moves you make are different because you think like your instincts that you go to your go-to moves that become your instinct are different in that space because of where the help's coming from, where you can be pushed to now. Now I can just push you to the baseline and a baseline acts as an extra defender, um, not to mention the help that's going to be under the basket. The pass I have to make might be different w- with a different hand now. Like, you know what I mean? There's so yeah. many things that go to it and I'm not making an excuse. He's a professional. He'll figure it out, but it's still a change.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's
1: still not like he's playing bad. Like he's just not what it was. Cause I, you look at the last five games numbers of regular 20s in the 20s scoring there's two games where he has like one he has like 12 when he has 13 they're not great games but he's still not it's not like you fell off it's just you notice the difference and you want to know what it is and that's what it is
0: there you go and that's the bottom line because cj says (laughs) (laughs) because
1: i said so
0: yeah stone cold steve austin he was my favorite wrestler (laughs) i love stone cold man i remember the the nights yeah man i remember those nights where my mom's asking me to go to bed but i know that monday night raw was from 10 to 11 and so i'm just like i got the tv in my room and i'm just like using little blinders to make sure that the glow isn't too pronounced so you can't see under the, it, yeah. exactly but she caught me all the time but i mean those are some fun days watching yeah. stone cold one of the best okay uh you mentioned will barton earlier and he has become the raptors backup point guard um they brought him on it was a surprise move on the buyout market that they brought him in only because it's ve- it's rare and i'll, I'll I know that the way he's playing, but I mean, he was one person that came to mind for me that he could be a fit. I thought he'd be in a different role. I thought he'd be more of a spot up shooter. He would be the person in the corner, right? Mm -hmm. When Pascal is doing his thing. And so he's your floor spacer. But he's been uh, given backup point guard duties. Not that he can't do it. He did it in Denver a little bit, but it hasn't Mm -hmm. gone the way that we probably were hoping for. So. And you you played uh, against Will um, for a while. Like, what are your impressions of how he's played so far? It's been a struggle. Just so people yeah, know yeah. the the numbers, uh, I'll point it out. Um, he's shooting four of twenty one from from three with the Raptors, but he is a career thirty six percent three point shooter. Yeah, and with the Wizards, report. yeah, and with the Wizards earlier this season, he shot thirty eight percent. So it's like. Yeah what's going on and, and the looks are decent i mean from from my standpoint like maybe they're from different spots now than he's used to but the looks are okay and this, it seems like everything's kind of short actually so he's always hitting front yeah. rim
1: yeah um we used to always say shooting travels right <laughs> we used to say that like people that can shoot they figure <laughs> it out and they'll it'll like yeah i think we we tend to forget like shooting in the season it goes it's a wave. It goes like this. Like mm. you'll see the end number at the end of the year and it'll be 39%. But if you go look through that guy's season, there's a point in the Roller season. Coaster. Roller he, coaster that he shot yeah. 30%. Yeah. And there's a point in the season where he shot 44 for 12 games. You know what I mean? And that's mm. what evens it out just based off looks. Like we talked about the body, the travel, the thing. Like so, like it'll it'll have to come through. So but speaking on him just in general, I was surprised when I read that he was gonna play backup point. I was surprised. He that yeah. that was yeah I didn't I didn't see that I didn't think of that so I, but I my making sense of it was finding a way to get him more reps into a system that he's trying to get used to to get him confidence mm. to get him comfortable to get him because he can't be in that starting lineup and be the scoring real Barton he has no. to just be a shooter and I, he's capable of scoring we know yeah. that not even off not the bench enough. he can't even be like yeah. that person
0: either necessarily because exactly. they yeah. Raptors have so many mouths to feed.
1: He's gotten he he can get hot, he can really put up points he's done that, shown that makes threes yeah. like you said, so like I don't that doesn't just go away. it's just mm. trying to figure out ways to get him comfortable and get him. That's what I took that as put the ball in his hands more because nobody's everybody gets more confident when you put the balls ball in their hand when you get played that grip you, you feel it, yeah, like the yeah. Uh, my, my man Aubrey used to say the ball has energy, right, um mm. people getting to make the plays and getting the be a little bit more assertive. It does something for the confidence. And then it doesn't matter how the rest of the game goes. Now I got a flow. I got to touch it. I got the move. So I look at it like that. Um, It's just also hard when you got capable guys are playing that position over there and guys that you want to see play. That's what makes it hard when he's not playing well right away. And from the outside.
0: Are you talking about the backup point guards on the Raptors? (laughs) The three of them?
1: (laughs) No, 1000%. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what, that's what makes it hard too. Cause it's like, well, if we only getting this from them right now, we might as well let those guys, you know, keep playing and keep growing. Um, that's the thing that's hard about it. And I get that, especially from a fan aspect. And I'm sure Nick thinks about it. Like, and we talking about, um, um, uh, Jeff. Jeff Dunn, yeah. Yeah, his situation, like, now you see him, he's getting these opportunities because you got to figure it out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and I think, um same with Malachi, uh, like those guys sitting over there that's working and waiting on opportunity, I'm sure they're thinking the same thing too. Like obviously you don't think about it like where you're not trying to pull your teammate down, but it's like you also got to look at it like I'm going to get an opportunity because he's not playing well right now. Right. So it's another chance for you to be ready.
0: Yeah. And Malachi got a chance too. In the previous game against the Pacers, he got 17 minutes. He made uh, two threes, eight points had a few turnovers, but I mean, he was trying to make the right play defensively. He was, he was okay. Um, I I mean, yeah. it's, it was, it's strange. Uh, and like you said, I mean, I was surprised they made the move because you have players who can already fulfill what you're looking for to a degree. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if, if Will is in the corner and he's your spot up shooter, again, 38, per, 36% on, on the career, 38% earlier this season with the wizards. I mean, I see that as an outlet for offense, yeah. But yeah, go ahead.
1: But like we gotta it, it, the other thing too. From the other side, we gotta look at this. Like, say I'm, I'm trying to win now, trying to turn, trying to make a run, trying to make a push to be a higher C. All these things, I can't teach those guys experience. Those young guys, you know what I mean? So like in the position I'm in and what I'm trying to do right now, I'm I'm leaning on that. When I'm picking him up, I'm thinking about his experience and what he's done. He has a track record. Like he has a history of being this person. The person that we're seeing right now, he's just not, he's not done that yet. So it's hard looking at, you know what I mean? So like you understand the reasoning for bringing him in to do this, like to help and because those guys obviously can learn from him too. And it's the reason why I got to give him a fair shot at, you know, turning it around because I know like I've seen him do this with the young guys. I have not seen this yet. I know they have the potential to. And you can't always lean on potential when you're in a, a dire need of something. And it's a it's a hard space to be like because sometimes you throw you throw you throw a guy in there and he and the fire shapes him up real quick. Sometimes Hmm. it doesn't. When you don't really have the time to wait, you kind of tend to lean towards experience because, you know, even if he's not playing as well, there's some plays he's still going to make that are better than what the young guy can give you sometimes. It's a hard uh, thing.
0: And, like, he's played 10 games now. That's what I was looking up while you were talking, how many games he's played. And, uh but that's not a know, lot of games. It's not, but, see, it's tricky. Like, okay, so you, you believe that, you know, if he was here at the beginning of the season, we're probably not having this conversation. He's probably uh, – he has his role. He knows his, what he's expected mm-hmm. to do, and so it's all good. But – you're banking on him because he is a veteran. He's been in the league for a little while. You think that he's going to pick it up a little bit faster, but it hasn't been that way. And he's not the first person to come to the Raptors and have need time to we just get, have, get things we figured just have, out.
1: We have, I don't want to say no names, just to throw no shots on them, but we had somebody that thought that was going to be a guy that who has a track record of doing, being a good shooter, doing some things. And it didn't work out. Some injuries happen, some things happen, but yeah. you know, stuff happens like
0: yeah. And so with Malachi, they probably feel like and I don't know, but I would imagine they think that we just we know what we're gonna get from Malachi. Right. Delano Banton, he spent most of the season in the in the G League. And then here comes Jeff Doughton Jr., person that I'm I'm high on in the aspect I like that too. I saw him in summer league and I'm like, this dude is an NBA player. He's so smart, um, he's unselfish, he knows how to play the game, he's a straight up hooper, right? Um and uh, he's gotten some chances here and there. And for those who may not know his uh, his situation, so he has seven games remaining on his G League two-way contract. So he can't if he plays more than that, then the Raptors essentially have to make him a guaranteed uh, standard NBA deal. And they've been pushing that off. And now that the, the 905 have been eliminated from the playoffs, you would imagine that Jeff is going to probably spend the rest of the season with the Toronto Raptors. Although, again, nine games remain. Seven games are left on his his deal. Um, we you think about what he offers point of attack defense, and I just watched Andrew Nembar torch the Raptors. <laughs> Shout out Andrew Nembar, Canadian Canadian kid. But uh, I just watched them him torch the Toronto Raptors, and uh, I, it seems to me like he could be a solution. But in that game. I'm thinking Nurse, when he went to Malachi Flynn, instead of instead of Jeff Dowd, he probably thought that he's uh, an offensive punch. And I think Jeff has it, but he's not confident enough yet to put that into practice in the NBA. Because he, mm. he's averaging like 20-ish points in the G League. And like he's mm. fast as a win. He can finish around the rim in a lot of different ways. He's got a pull-up game. Yeah. He can hit threes. Like, he's like league average. Um, averaging 20 so points
1: I anywhere is... Signs it's of something right like it it's doesn't exactly especially because yeah. the talent that's risen in the g league we know that it's yeah. not just it might not be the same as the nba i mean and some of those guys are nba players It's so just opportunity hasn't arisen yet so but like right. averaging 27 points anywhere especially right there right right down the road um show signs of being able to do that like i think like you said amazing defensively um he's got a real popping step he can go from zero to 60 real quick he turns corners long oh, it's so good man
0: like how advantageous is that to have someone who can get around a screen and cut off a drive yeah, like that there were yeah. so many cases in that pacers game where i'm like i think jeff Ded would have cut off this drive and now you're not in rotation But and, and then on the
1: other side with the ball too like turning the corner with the ball too with that same speed like mm-hmm. um i think he's got a lot of things that he he fits the mode of an elite backup point guard right now I'm not saying he can't grow into something more than that but right now Looking at him, you can see him being yeah. an elite backup point guard. Especially and that's great. That's awesome, too. Yeah. Especially because of it. Yeah, no, that's great, too. I'm not diminishing mm-hmm. that. I just don't want to put a ceiling on him when we haven't seen that much of him. But I can yeah. say right now, that's what he looks, that's what he can fit. Especially because being a backup with his defensive tenacity, his, his minutes are not going to be super high. So I can exhaust that defensive talent. He can pick up the ball, play as hard as he can, really change the game. So I think it's really something to look at. I think it's really, I, I think, and, and he's got an opportunity. Like, he's going to get it. If it's not here, he's going to get it. Like, he's done things that are going to allow him to get an opportunity somewhere. Obviously, you like to have to be here because he's been here and he's he's been, he's had his, his journey. Obviously, he's yeah. up to this point and he's bounced around a little bit. And the thing I hate, and I want to, I'm glad we're talking about him too, I hate the age thing. I hate oh, the
0: so to, annoying.
1: Because this is my thing with that. I gotta sit up to talk about
0: it. here. We go. Here we go. This is my we go. Thing with this. Stretch your arms. Let's go. we
1: talking <laughs> a, we talking about basketball. We talking about winning right now. Yeah. We're talking about what he can do for me right now. How he can help me right now. Why does it matter that he's 26? Why does why are we so stuck on well yeah. he's 26 and he has the potential? The, 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 we so stuck on this potential thing. I'm not looking for a project. I'm looking for somebody to help me right now. The amount of years that I'm going to get out of him and even at 26, I'm still getting, he got plenty of years of high level basketball in him. It's not like he's 40 and he might kill off in the middle of a season. Like it doesn't matter. Like that's not a, that does not make sense. That makes sense for a team that's building a core or something. They trying to, they rebound and they trying to rebuild. They coming Mm -hmm. out of that. But like these kids that come out of college, that they get overlooked because of their age. It's stupid. It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like, yeah. and we know the average career is only like four years anyway. So like, yeah. you going off, somebody who haven't even proved, not, and this is not me knocking young kids, but I'm just saying that there's there's a discredit to the, the guys who stay in school and the guys who develop their game or the guys who take a little longer to develop their game because they're not these God-given uh, freaking nature athletes because usually yeah. potential guys that's the biggest thing that you're looking at you're looking at the athleticism and their body and they build and what they could turn into instead of mm-hmm. looking at a kid who's done this who might have led the led NCA and rebounding who's filled out his frame who's shown the potential that he will keep working because he worked through his career in college to become who he is like it's so many attributes that that kid has that you discredit him because you are looking at you looking for the next whoever, I don't know who you are looking for, but like, you can't, it's the dumbest thing I ever, I don't get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense. And now I'm glad you see these guys like him and the kid from Indiana and the kids popping up that's showing, like, I just need an opportunity. Like I've been this player. Like I was already this player. Like, stop. Like we got to stop doing that. And we even do it as from the outside looking at it. Like, ah, but he's 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 going to be twenty four coming into the draft. So good. Who
0: cares? I got. Who I cares? Got
1: at least in the way we take care of our bodies now. But it, like guys are playing until they forty years old almost. Like, yeah. He got he got six seven years of high level basketball at least.
0: Yeah, your prime is longer now. It's not you're not peaking out at thirty two whatever anymore. Now it's like thirty four yeah. something like that. Yeah,
1: maybe and if you are a
0: shooter, if he's
1: a shooter, he, it's thirty eight.
0: He could be. He could be a honest, decent shooter. It,
1: it can be. Like, yeah. it is, you know what I'm saying? Like it can find a way to service a team. Like, I don't mm. get that age like that that like I want somebody that can help me right now. And even if it's not right now, if it takes 2 years and he's 27, 25 when I get him in the rotation, I still got 7 years of basketball out of him. Yeah. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like we I, I guess it's a maybe it's a money thing you are thinking about the I'm going to get my money's worth cuz I can have him for all this time once I mold him. But like a lot of these kids don't get molded.
0: A you lot think, of kids uh, front don't, off- don't yeah.
1: work out. Go ahead. Do you
0: think? Do you think front offices sometimes they there is a prideful standpoint with them knowing that hey, we drafted this guy and he became one thousand as opposed to
1: yeah, one thousand yeah. percent. The there's, situations, the right there. there's situations, dirt situations with young guys, and I can almost speak on this for myself in a situation. Oh, where you're you're, getting, getting you're
0: to I can point. see you. You're getting, you're, you're getting into this. You're twisting your head. <laughs> you you're
1: a, into this. <laughs> <laughs> you get to a point where, like, you drafted this kid right, and say it's yeah. not working out right now with you the way you wanted to, and it would get. In somebody else reaches out and they want to, they see something in the kid and they want to trade for him or they want to get him or like he becomes a restricted free agent and they want to try to get him. You'll keep that kid just because save face, because you don't want that kid to go to another Mm. team.
0: I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me, in a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today.
1: Become something else, and then it looks bad on you because your job was to identify the talent, yep. and it's just, and now you're messing with that kid. Yep. It hasn't to do with, you still had the eye for talent. It just didn't come to fruition with you. The opportunity, like, it's like, we were just talking about this with a friend. If you plant a seed and the seed does not, if you plant an apple, a seed for an apple tree and the tree does not grow the way you want it to grow, what is the things you check? The environment, the soil, is it getting water, sunlight, all the things, the place that it's in. Yep. Like, some people just not meant to grow in that space. It's not the environment for them. And that's fine. But the business side of that is messing with careers sometimes and I get it. It's business. I understand. Like that guy's got to keep his job too. I'm not trying to like make him the devil, but I'm just saying it's a thing that happens. And as a player, I can only speak from my side.
0: Yep. Yeah. I agree with you. He's an NBA player. He turns twenty-six. Uh, bottom line, he's an NBA player. <laughs> yeah. this all brings yeah. me back around to say <laughs> that
1: he is an NBA player.
0: He's turning twenty-six in a few months. Um, he is you with the lay, way the league is now. Teams are getting stretched out constantly. Point of attack defense is one of the most viable, You know, having your rim protector and your point of attack defense stabilized, like that is significant to your defense uh, you just you're able to avoid getting compromised uh, so much faster and uh, the spark that he offers i think there's a lot more juice to his offense that's what i really land on is that the defense i mean like he's not the first defensive point guard to come into a yeah, game yeah, and you know yeah. jose alvarado i love what yeah. he offers but he's not a great scorer necessarily right i think jeff could actually be a pretty 100%. good scorer in the nba
1: you're 100 he's got the potential to be to play both sides of that ball really well yeah because of his frame, because of his length, because of his athleticism. Strong, like, man. He's strong. Jose 6'3"? doesn't have those Jose doesn't have those attributes. He's Jose's made himself a good shooter, a better shooter, and he makes Hell Yeah, he now. does. Yep. But yep. like the 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 things that the tools that Jeff has allows a lot more growth. Yep. Um, just and anyway, I can go and I can not that Jose can't guard multiple positions, but I can guard
0: Shooting successfully
1: guards. bigger guys with
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Like I'm not gonna throw him into the post. No. I'm not going to try him in the post just because he gets switched over to a two, maybe even some threes now because we're playing small.
0: I don't want to wish anyone loses their jobs, but I do want Jeff Devin Jr. Exactly. to be a, a point guard on the Toronto Raptors next season. I want he him will to be. A, I guarantee he will, be. He guarantee will have an opportunity on the, tr- on, on the Toronto Raptors or someone else.
1: Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. where, it, but he's going to get his opportunity. He's going to yeah, get a play. He's going to just... get his chance to prove his worth. And then yep. we just pray that when that chance comes, he gets to really prove it. Like, he's ready. Yep. And, he's, and from the interviews I've seen, the, the, his responses, what he says about being ready to work and the way he goes about it, he's going to be yep. fine.
0: Hell yeah. Okay, this next question. This was on our rundowns for a few episodes, and it just we just never really got to it, but today we're going to get to it, CJ. We're <laughs> going to get to it, okay? So there was a a comment from... This is how long it's been in the rundowns. January 25th, okay? And it was a comment about brawny james and Uh, uh, the comment is it's from tyler ralph i'll read it out so my guy shout out to my guy tyler rip i'm gonna read it out and then what your response was was true speech so this is what's lost in the basketball space if you watch brawny as his own player elite iq he shoots with range he makes elite passes he's an elite athlete he's an elite defender and understands that that side and leads just because he doesn't get 30 a game doesn't don't get a twisted. And you said true speech. Now, since then he has been projected to be a top 10 pick yeah. in his draft year. So that obviously yeah. that's changed, but uh, it also makes me think about a funny thing that uh, LeBron James and, and Draymond green talked about on, and, uh, on the shop once. And they were saying that you'd be surprised how many times we've talked, we've played with players in the NBA who don't know how to play basketball. And I was like, word, huh so i ask you and you don't need to add no names or anything like that but do you understand where they're coming from with with that yeah yes Yes. because
1: you gotta think you gotta look at this like especially now so we live in highlight culture Mm. like highlight culture like everybody has a highlight tape dudes that's not good coming up that's not even like top everybody gets a highlight tape so yeah they're highlights can make anybody yeah. good i can make any i can you can take my worst game of my career and make it look good if you just only take the highlights of the game like yeah. like you know what i mean it might not be that many but if we slice it up and put a song on it some hip-hop it music baseline yeah man, everybody's like oh man that guy's good like you know what i mean so
0: slow-mo slow-mo intro show. little slow-mo intro but, with him doing the faces yeah,
1: yeah. yeah <laughs> know, but like so but back to the point um guys that are super talented early right um oh, and obviously have a knack for scoring a ball or super athletic or do these things they get thrown in there, and they just let that's they lead with they don't teach the game they just let those guys run score a bunch do whatever they want do all these who are things. they though and who are they who are they like so there's coaches and there's programs there's like a u programs whatever you want to call it. like or even some high school coaches get caught up in it they don't kind of they kind of let the guy like his talent um supersedes the game you know what I mean so like yeah, he's talented, but like, he's got to learn how to play the game to play on a team to because he's not going to have this role when he gets to another space where everybody's as talented as him. And then he gets to another space like the NBA where there's already a 10-time All-Star on that team and he don't get to be the guy. And if he can't understand how to play the game, he can never grow himself into being a guy at that level. Um, So there's these egos and attitudes that these kids develop from this and they don't understand the game, and they can't figure out why they can't get on the floor, and then it's everybody else's fault. It's not the kid's fault. It's this, it's that. So, like, my thing is teaching the game is just important. That's not saying there's something wrong with those kids that's going 30 and 40 and 50s and 60s in high school and doing the things they do. If you're that good, go dominate the game, go win the game. But I'm just saying a lot of times there's they're not being taught how to play basketball, like how to understand, like, how when they get to another space where everybody's talented and they take away their right hand or they don't have the ball in their hands all the time, how can they affect the game? How can they create shots for themselves without the ball? How can they defensively put themselves in a chance to get a pass, to get, in a, get a steal and get in the passing lanes, to get a get themselves a dunk on a break to get themselves going? Whatever the yeah. other ways they can understand the game, right? So um you get to the league with these super talented guys that get there off their talent all the way up to that point, and now it's time to put like your basketball IQ to the test because now you're playing with the best basketball players in the world and we you can't grasp it. You can't mm-hmm. grasp concepts or you can't make reads or you can't understand like I can't just blow by everybody. What how how do I how do I figure this out? Yeah, how do I create space? How do I do this? How do I like I said, how do my the footwork I need to gain, the understanding, understanding the other team's defense. How they're going to guard us to make my life easier on the floor? All these type of things that come from watching basketball. You'd be surprised how many kids don't watch basketball too. Really? Do not not watch basketball. There's a lot of these kids. They don't like. They don't. They don't watch it. They know their favorite players and they watch the the highlights and they catch them on whatever. But they don't watch basketball.
0: Then there's watching basketball. Then there's watching basketball. Exactly. Watching. Understanding. Understanding it.
1: And yeah, understanding dude. the game like, yeah, he scores 30 a night. Do you know how, why he scores 30 a night? Yeah. How he scored, like why he's not able to, why people can't stop him. He's not doing right. the same moves all the time. People come in the game knowing what he likes to do when he still figures out how to get 30. Can you figure out how to do that on a nightly basis? That's what separates, you know, the good talented, and makes them look great. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. still do this every night. You're going to send a double team. You're going to take away my right hand. Gonna, everybody knows Giannis like to make a spin move. He still get 30 a night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody knows he don't want to shoot jump shots. He still get 30 a night. <laughs> yeah, You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we know yeah. Bron like to go left. We know Bron don't like this shot, don't like this. He still get 30 a night. Some guys are God given physical physical too, but, they, but there's a mentality they had to learn and still learn how to turn that on and use it the right way too. You know, yeah, yeah, so um, that's the thing when you talk about it with the game. And that was my argument with Bronny before that. That tweet was made by Tyler. I used to say that I was like, Bro, you got it. it's like he only the first thing people would say, he only averaged like 12 points a game. I'm like, Bro, what they got to do with anything, yeah, like in high school, especially especially when I play with a bunch of other good players. That's a sign of me understanding what's going I'm not gonna just go take bad shots so y'all can come see mm. me. You feel like me?
0: LeBron James's son is not going to understand basketball.
1: <laughs> and that's what I was saying. I was like, but you got to think about who's teaching him the game. He the human says, computer,
0: talk. the basketball, human computer, the, the computer encyclopedia right, of, greatest <laughs> of basketball. I
1: heard, so I heard Isaiah Thomas say this about LeBron James and it was crazy. I never looked at it. He was like, yo, who, where did he come from? Not his basketball, his talent, his whatever. Like who taught him? Who was his teacher? Who taught him for his mind to work the way it works? And it's simply from him just studying the game and watching the game. Like, because they talk about like, you know, Michael Jordan came in the league and and he had these coaches or he was at uh, Dean Smith in North Carolina and he had coach, not to disrespect LeBron James, high school coach. I don't know. I'm not saying he wasn't a great coach, but I'm just saying he didn't come from this long line of these historic teachers and great coaches that have done all these things and how these great players before him. So knew how to mold him. He was thrown into the spotlight, obviously early in high school, came in i don't remember who the coach was his first year in cleveland but that says something about me not remembering who the coach was um no disrespect to whoever it is but you know what i'm saying so like who who molded him into that like who gave him this knowledge and that's the thing nobody gave it to him he went got it because he wanted to be who he was so now this is who is teaching Bronny james how to play basketball and this is why every year he got better Every you see him growing, every and then he got to his senior year, and you see, like we talked about at the end of his senior year, him going up in the rankings in his high school class and now being projected in the draft. Him being projected in the draft might have a little bit to do with his dad. That's fine. But, like, still, he's going to be an NBA player. Like, it goes back to what we talking about, the older college mm-hmm. kids. He's shown the willingness to – work and to grow and to become better. Shoots it well, like we said, good defensively, which a lot of high school kids are not good at defensively. He understands defense mm. already, especially off-the-ball defense. That's the biggest thing about me. There's kids, they can guard the ball because they're athletic. He understands off-the-ball defense. Even if you watch his highlights, you see him getting steals and in passing lanes, being on the nail, yeah. being in spaces, chase down blocks, things of that nature. Like These things yeah. are things that, that, that will correlate and will transfer as he grows and as he goes yeah we in a yeah. space where yeah yeah to-
0: no, I hear what you're saying, and like even uh, early on this season, like he wasn't even on the the draft board. He wasn't even in the first round, Whoa. and uh, something changed. Chad Ford, I believe, was a person who put out his draft rankings, and he said that you know this is what Bronny's done. He's really impressed scouts, and something changed. Obviously, but going back to like the root of the conversation, um, do you think it would help if the European style of basketball was adapted adopted more by the U.S. programs at the grassroots level, um, because that all they do it's predicated on ball movement, player movement and making yeah. like making the extra pass and knowing where to be and just co- constantly moving and you've preached that so much about what do the Raptors need? They need more movement.
1: Yeah, and you need guys that that it's a natural movement. It's not me saying putting you in plays where you move yes, just yes, understanding yes, when yes. and how to move based off what the defense is giving you. You and want to I move on a will...
0: string on offense and defense, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you want to understand yeah. I right, he's going there, I go here. So we make the exactly. defense make a decision type thing. Yep. I think, yes, we benefit from that, from the European style, the way they teach and the way they do it. But the other thing that makes that hard now is that the style of playing the NBA is not like that when these kids, the kids that do watch it. You know what I mean? It's a bunch of ice ISO, pick and roll, multi-talented guys that just take advantage of space the whole time. But this is also why you see guys coming in at the grass with like these players now in the league that are having these success stories because that style of basketball is being taught all the way down to like fourth grade now like everybody's yeah. got a trainer everybody's got a and it's not <laughs> a bad thing to an extent depending on who the trainer is but like yeah. like speaking of tyler Reb, i could speak on tyler Reb because i've been in the gym with him i've been in that gym and mm. these kids got access to pros these kids got access to the way we work and they work out with us. They do the same type of things. We breaking the game down. Like my workouts is not me just going in there and picking shots. Like we's having conversation on the floor and we got this stuff on tape. We could go find film of these workouts of us having the conversations and they taping it. So these conversations can be broke down to how to teach the game even more. We having conversations on the way plays happen in the game and why shots present themselves and how shots represent themselves. And then we drill that. That's what we make the workout based off of. Like, they like y'all like to write this time to play for you, but, like, the defense been guarding it this way. So we going to drill every situation and how defense is guard and how defense is learned to attack it so you can be ready to attack it yourself. That's how we work out. That's the way the game should be broken down and taught. Like, not just coming here, I'm going to teach you 10 moves, you do them as hard as you can, then you go dunk it. Like, a lot of people get that. They think that's the way to go at it. Just go in there and have a bunch of stuff in your bag. And it's fine to have it. Like, it's stuff that I had in my bag that I never had to use. I just had it for the confidence that I had it. Mm -hmm. Like, not for me to get out in the game and start dancing with the ball. Like, that's not my role. And everybody's role is not. You were a student of the
0: game from the get go, right?
1: Yeah. So, like, everybody's role is not going to be that in the game. So, this is why it's dangerous to teach everybody how to be the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm only teaching you how to be the guy, and you never get to be the guy, mm. like what am I preparing you for?
0: Yep, 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 for failure actually. <laughs> exactly what I'm preparing you for. Well, because sorry, like I mean, I you said, can make a, you can make an NBA, you can make a basketball career in a different yes, country. Like yes. that's that's something you no, can no, do, but I'm not, it I'm may not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah But even there, myself there, but even
1: yeah. there, you get there. Yeah. And there's a guy already on that team. True, that's the guy. You're not going to just take it from him. Unless your timing is perfect and he's older and he's on his way out, or the mm. team believes that they wanna they wanna trade him for you or whatever it is, then it works out. That's yeah. divine timing. But a lot of times that's not the case. And a lot of yeah. times, if we're being honest, guys just aren't good enough to be the guy. No matter if you're working on it or not, when you get to a certain level, you just you just can't be the guy. Like you gotta mm. understand that. Like it's not, it's okay. Like it's okay that you're not Michael Jordan but there's there few the guys there was, there's there's so few and that's what people don't understand i know we all got the dream of being the guy but at some point there's got to be a knowledge of self and understanding where you at and who you with and what team you on or who is the guy and who is going to make us win and how we going to win and add yourself to the equation what do i have that adds to the equation that's how you stay on the team that's how i stay in the league 17 years i understand what i add to the equation yeah or what i could add to the equation So if I'm going to go play with Kyrie Irving, I'm probably not going to have the ball in my hands. What do I add to the equation? Is it a small strength right now? Well, let's make it a big strength. Then I end up playing with Paul George. Then I end up coming to Toronto. Then I end up playing, you know what I mean? Like all these things, because I recognize that, that's what took my career the length of the numbers it did.
0: Mm. So to clarify, you have played with... Players in the NBA that did not one thousand percent basketball. Yes, yes, (laughs) plenty of them. Unequivocally. unequivocally, yeah, yes, many, 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 many.
1: like dudes that like I played with dudes that didn't know the flex offense, which is like a basic thing that's taught. That's like the first offense you taught as a kid.
0: Yo, I ran that in high school.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. College (laughs) players that went to college for multiple years, got drafted into the NBA, and did not know the flex offense to the point where like we was running the play. It was part of one of our out of bounds plays in practice one day. And we didn't teach it because we when you say the flex, that's basketball language. So it's like we're gonna do this and then get into the flex offense once it gets in bounds. We in practice one day, we running the play, and everybody's like, Yo, what are you doing? And the guy is looking at us like what? And we're like, Yo, you don't know the flex? Uh-huh. And he just stared at us like we was talking Spanish.
0: <laughs> or Japanese. No
1: idea. <laughs> or Japanese, yeah. I should say hi to my <laughs> Japanese people. I was just bitching. <laughs> but yeah, he was staring at us like yeah. we were speaking yeah. a different language. And yeah. everybody's minds was blown. Could not understand how you made Damn. it that far in basketball and did not know the flex offense. But this man. guy was a hell of a scorer. So? Yep. And got well, to and was yep. not given the opportunity to be that scorer
0: and the rest was now he's not in the league no offense to him
1: if he recognized who i'm talking about I'm not gonna say his name he's still my guy and is having a career somewhere else and is playing well Has had some other opportunities and done well but that was part of the case that didn't help him
0: yep well i got you okay so uh a few more for you kind of bouncing around a few different ideas and everyone Mm -hmm. knows what's been going on with john morant um yeah. so just to like summarize a little bit he was suspended for eight games he's back now he played his first full game the other day where he returned yeah. at least like as a starter and uh he was you know he looked incredible but what why did you know why he had a mask you know why he had a mask on no i didn't
1: because i'm don't. trying to figure out he didn't have a mask on would he have a mask on when he when he got suspended i can't remember good
0: question i don't know i don't think so maybe
1: he did I just can't remember because it seems yeah. like it's been so long. It wasn't that long, but it seemed like it was a lot of time. <laughs> I so mean, eight games.
0: Eight games, that's like three yeah. weeks. Yeah.
1: It's a, right? it's that's a, a lifetime lot. in the NBA. Yeah, sure. It's a lifetime in the NBA. Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, he said that he was staying in shape in terms of like his uh, his cardio, but I mean, I obviously believe playing that, games yeah. is different. Yeah. Um, no, 1,000%. Like, what do you think about this? So, I mean, on hustle play – Spoiler alert, we had Alvin Williams on, I think that episode's <laughs> gonna come out uh, today. And this was a conversation on there too, but I wanna get your take on it as well. It's it's confusing to me because like it, it wasn't a drinking problem. He said that, I don't have a drinking problem. And everything that he yeah. says, I do believe him. I just, I wanna yeah. understand, I wanna talk about it with you. I wanna understand what exactly went down here. So he said that a lot of it, like he went to counseling because uh, how, how he was managing stress wasn't good. And that there are things that are going on that he just needed support with. And, you know, the the gun thing at the club, um, there are a few other things in there as well. But, like, this all could just be contributing to, like, the stress level or it could be a product of the stress that he was feeling. He was looking for a release or whatever the case is. But, yeah, I, I guess uh, uh, just in general on, on Ja, like, we know who he is. Like, he is probably going to be the face of the NBA one day or at least for a, one of the couple of faces. He has all the potential of the world. 23 years old he's got future MVP written all over him he's like he's so marketable such a great personality and then this happens and I don't know it just seemed to, everything seemed a little bit strange around it not necessarily job ja, because I think he's been pretty straightforward with it but everything around it has been odd to me
1: yeah so uh, uh, my, my it's gonna sound I'm preaching a little bit here but just bear with me <laughs> Um, Your father was a preacher. So it's okay.
0: <laughs> my father
1: is a preacher. Yes. Um, was, sorry. But is, not was. was. Yeah. Um, yes. No, yeah. But yeah, my father's a preacher. Uncle, too. Uncle was a preacher, too. There you go.
0: Uh,
1: but so this thing that whatever is on him, whatever is on him, stressful, whatever, is, it's, this is an internal thing. This is not, obviously, everything outside looks well. Like playing well, teams good, yeah. making a lot of money, endorsements, all of that. Like, right. So, um, I don't. I don't. One the one thing I would say, he's got to he got to remember this ain't this ain't normal. Like I think you start to get a lot of things fast and early and young, and things turn and everything's well, and you start to forget. Like yo, this is not normal because it because everything's happening at such a pace, it starts to look like it is. This is not normal. Twenty three, with all this money, fame, playing at the highest level endorsements coming left and right everybody know you you got the you're a face of a city like think about this could be a face of a of the league at some point like he has the cultural influence like he could have the cultural influence that Allen Iverson had I called this he could be that for this generation now so um all these other things start to come to light right the things that the things that was in the the reports and all this stuff coming and people attacking it this way I don't know They true or not, whatever happened, it is what it is. But the stress that come with that, with that getting out and people making their own assumptions and they coming at you like this is the the dangers of all these things that you get at a young age, because if you don't know yourself and know how to cope and know how to deal with stress, you're going to lean on all those other things. So having everything he has at a young age and not knowing how to cope yourself. Money has a way of opening every doorway for anything that you could do to become a vice with that. Well, that's what money does. Money's a doorway to anything. So like not him, not having a drinking problem, having to, but money will make everybody bow down and let you do anything you want when you want to go do it. So like, it doesn't matter that he doesn't have a, a drinking, but he's just the space that he's putting himself in to relieve that, to let it go. He think this is the best way to do it. Cause he don't, he don't have no process for himself yet. He's young, he 23 years old. Like, this is the toughest thing he's been through in his life. And it's like um it's monumental. It's things that people would never deal with in their life. People that his people that's in his family has never dealt with nothing he's dealing with. He don't have nobody to go to. Nobody recognize what he's doing. Nobody understand this. You know what I mean? So you start leaning on your own understanding. Well, I'ma just run out here and just have like numb myself. Do things that take my mind off of it. Do these things, hanging around people who clearly don't care about your potential. Cause if the people that was around you did care about what you had in your hands, they would not let you ever do what you did. And if you, and if they did try to stop you and you still did it, that's one thing. But if you look around and they didn't try to stop you or try to help you after this comes through, you need to remove yourself from that circle. Cause they just care about what you got right now and what they getting right now. They don't care about what this can be and what this could do for Generations of people, generations of your family, the city, the power that you hold in your hands, the light that you have become. Like this gotta, you gotta understand that responsibility. Like you gotta choose. And I think he will choose because he got the traits to be great. You gotta work to get to where he's at. So they let you know he gotta understand. And he chose to be special. He's not special at birth. He chose, you gotta choose to be special. He chose to do this, and I think he'll make the right decision again. But it's just the only thing that it hurts. Is that people get their perception his mistakes as a twenty three year old are just public knowledge? It's a bunch of twenty three year olds making mistakes that'll end up being senators, governors, great people doing great things, and they will not ever nobody will see this at the light that they see his at That's the thing that that that's unfair, but i I want to call it unfair because this come with the territory, and you knew that, but it's just we as people also got to look at this like that. He is twenty three instead of us condemning him let's try to help him let's try to say let's try to find ways and i don't think helping him is putting him in front of a camera and making him confess and tell the story a certain way you try to make him clean him up and look a certain way i don't think that's helping me that's just parading me around to clean me up for your benefit and i get it it's a business wise that is what it is and that's what you care about that's what that that's that's just the, the nature of the beast that comes mm-hmm. with this but like let's make sure when that camera go off that we still got some type of way to help him. Yeah. That we really encouraging him. That we not just cleaning him up so we can continue to make money off of him until we can't no more. Because yeah. that don't help nobody. Yeah.
0: When we think about stress, and I'm i I'm stressing on that stress point, because that's what he said. And I'm not looking at the interview he did with Jalen Rose. I'm looking at the interview that he did with Memphis Media and what he said. Cause that Jalen Rose interview, and I like Jalen, and I don't think like that's a separate topic, but yeah, I don't think yeah, yeah. like that was the publicity stunt that I, I don't need to hear necessarily. But yeah. what he said to reporters, and he was asked some pretty pointed questions, but he was all about the stress point. And for him, he clearly cares about people. He cares about Memphis. He cares about his family. He cares about everybody. Can you not imagine that a 23-year-old might just like after one loss, maybe a five-game losing streak, he might feel a little bit more in his heart than somebody else because he cares about the happiness of so many people. And that might make him get a little bit more down than somebody else because he's still learning how to deal with these new responsibilities, these new emotions that he's feeling. I think it. I think that's more of it. And he did allude to yeah. something more yeah. going on, and it could be a death in the family. It could be something like that. It could be, it could be something exactly yeah. right. But we don't in know. the end, yeah, we don't. And he said that maybe he'll. We might find out one day. But regardless, that kind of stuff. That's what I focus on. Is that he needs yeah. help and understanding ar- how? Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, was, I, want, I mean, I thought you were... stop. But when you also look around at it, you also got to look at when you the stress that come with knowing that like we talk about losing and things kind of not going super well mm-hmm. everything that's come into his life is predicated off of that yeah like the way he's treated and the way people bow down and do the things the things that's coming in his life is predicated off him being special and winning and a five game winning streak a uh, losing streak or things not going well or even the reports getting out that image changing now you are looking around like people about to stop messing with me mm like people about to leave because you don't feel like these people really here because if they here for me, they don't know me. Yeah. They didn't come here for me. They came here because of what I had, like my, my gift. Hmm. So if any way that my gift looks like not as shiny anymore, like the saying, I like to use, like I like to use is like, you know, when the cup runneth over, people come stand around it. Right. And they just try to get their version. They try to get the extra that's coming off when the cup, when it stop when it stop being filled, they tip it over and take what's left and leave. That's the way this, that's the way this go. So when you start to feel like the water stopped running, you start looking around like, oh man, people might leave. And that's, that's a stressful feeling, but it's a, it becomes a a healing too, because now you get a lot of stuff out of your life. That's not supposed to be there. You start to see people for what they are, which is the reason why you got to go through it. I don't, I don't, I don't wish it to be this way. I don't wish it to be like this on a public platform and the whole nine, but this is his story. Now he got to make his choice. And this allows him to be an even better teacher down the road because now everybody know they saw me get through this. They saw me conquer this and continue to go on and be who I am. So now when I turn around and tell you how to not do this, you can believe me
0: because you saw it. Spencer Dinwiddie and Taylor Ricks had a conversation. She asked him a question that kind of like hit him right to his core of his being and he got into the role of his grandmother and what she played in in his life. and he was getting at that he was she was the only person that looked at him as just him. He was Spencer to her. Her happiness came from seeing him happy, seeing him succeed, seeing him fulfill his potential, seeing him, you know continue to grow as a person. And uh, I wonder if maybe Ja is he doesn't have those kinds of enough of those people in his life. And also, I mean, Alvin Williams, again, talking about the the hustle play episode, he talked about the value of having good vets on your team um, and how how well they can help how much they help just like keep a team, a core together and teaching people how to be professionals in the NBA you know they don't have a lot of vets on on the Memphis on Memphis right and steven adams i think there was a report uh, that he had a team meeting with people saying like we got to change our ways um a little bit earlier in the season but i think that's something too is that and i'm not saying like the what's going on with jaw and that are correlated there could be a separate thing going on with Ja, as i mentioned like the stress level because i want to mm. i want to hone in on that i don't think it's that he's partying too much i think there's something else but mm. in the end you need good people around you, especially in a position of jaw when he's got all the stardom in front of him, And you're just going to have a bunch of yes, men and yes women around you.
1: Yeah. Like, so two things. So like, like you said, I don't think it's the party and swim. like the thing that he's doing is not the thing. That's no. his response to the thing. He did yes. that in response to something. So we need to figure out what he's responding to. That's when you're him stressed, out. we
0: find ways to cope. How do we cope? Yes. We want releases. Yes. We want to relax. We want to exactly. smile
1: exactly so let's find out what's causing the stress not the it going out is not causing the problem yeah Let's find, Let's find that's that's target whatever he's responding to second when you go into the vets thing it might like you said it might not be the vet thing but it goes into what i was saying when you got guys who's been in this league been successful in this league played a long time dealt with all the things that of these type of nature this type of nature they can turn around and speak to them and it's a respect level now when you yeah. got people from outside like I'm so adamant about talking to kids and helping and giving back the basketball to the youth and with in the gym and the way I am, because I know what I'm saying holds weight because I did it. Like, I know that. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Like, I know, I know that. So I understand that. So me and me and a great basketball coach could say the same exact words. I know my words are going to weigh more in that gym because they saw me put that jersey on and they saw yeah. me play the game. They saw me do it. And that's a responsibility that comes with this, whether you like it or not. That's why I'm so adamant about it. That's why I, I love to speak and I love to like to, to, to be in a room with, with people that want information about this game. That's why the podcast is so important to me because yeah. we shed a light on this side that people don't get. Yeah. And I think that's the importance of vets in the NBA, and it's not a lot of
0: them. It's gotta change. I don't think it's good for the future. I don't think it's good for the present either. I just realized that I turned off my mic accidentally at some point. So yeah. for those who are listening here, um, I didn't, you sorry didn't go for the you, audio.
1: Didn't, you didn't go you didn't go mute to me. I mean I heard you, so yeah, um, just the audio's gonna not that, be so, as crisp. And this yeah. is the thing going on the outside of this though, like the vets are important too because you get a lot of young kids that come into the lead. There's nobody for them to turn to to deal with the problems they got. Like when I got drafted, some of the stuff that came about, I couldn't go to my parents about that stuff. I love my parents and they can help me with this everything, and I love them and I can lean on them and we had conversations. But it's hey, certain man, things you, like yeah, yeah, of course, you're a, you're them. a
0: kid. When you're 18 yeah. 19 20 like you're not going to your parents with everything you get to an age later on where yeah. your parents are your backbone because they yeah. you relate to their experiences more but when you're 18 exactly. 19 20 you're getting into things things are different yeah. <laughs> and it's two, it's two things like
1: one they don't understand it two you don't want them to know what you
0: did. Exactly. Like exactly. I guarantee
1: you, he didn't want his parents to know that he was in there doing what he was doing when they put them pictures yeah, out. What was yeah, it going yeah, to yeah, your parents yeah. about that? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Not that your parents don't already know you're doing whatever because they did it <laughs> yeah. too. But like yeah. you not, you just it's just the na- like the nature that you're not doing that. Like because you feel mm-hmm. like that's not something. So having somebody that you can go to, this is the, the beauty of like therapists, right? You go to somebody yeah. who does not have a biased opinion and somebody that can just let you vent, because a lot of times. People know the answer, like people don't yep. come to me for my words. They come to me from my presence. They come to me to mm. get in the mindset of knowing that I already, like of how I think, because right. they know I've been through it already. So they just coming to be around somebody. When they do say something, they can part some wisdom. They can drop some wisdom on me, but they coming to you because they already know the answer. They just wanted to be somewhere to help support that answer.
0: Yeah.
1: So like, you know, it's noticed when you want to do some bullshit, you don't go talk to your friends that don't do bullshit you feel me no, you go go you go, you go find yeah. the friends that like to do bullshit that's what you go to like yeah i'm being yeah. honest like you know what i mean and when you're trying to fix something who you call you call the fixer and they don't even yeah. got to say something you just vent to them just so you can be in their presence that's how yeah. this go that's what veterans are for
0: yep yeah. All right, let's get to some of these fan questions and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, there's a few things that we didn't get to today, but we will get to it next week because we'll record pretty soon um, now that CJ's back from... His little rendezvous trip outside of the country. I'm back off the world tour. I'm back off the world. Hey, it's in time for the Raptors. They got the stretch here, stretch drive, and there's gonna be a few more episodes, certainly, before we get to the play in tournament. Okay, so a couple of these are just Toronto-centric. Best friend while you were in Toronto. For those people, for the people that ask the questions, I'm sorry, I forgot to write down your names, but yes, best friend while you were in Toronto.
1: To whom it may concern. Uh no, I think everybody knows. <laughs> I the most I did with anybody off the floor was Fred. Like, you know what I mean? Like we had our relationship. Yeah. That's the person that I was with the most. Like I we didn't, I'm not saying we was running around town holding hands, but that was the person that I did the most yeah. with um off the floor.
0: Favorite My restaurant guy. while living in Toronto?
1: Mm. So um I got two. Um Kazimoto. And, uh, yes, Cosmodo, but my, our favorite, me and my wife, every time we got out for a day now, we went to, uh, uh, Soto Boche, Wine and Pasta Bar.
0: Is that Soto Soto?
1: Nah, Soto Boche, it's a small spot, and, uh, and it's, like, it's hands down my favorite place. Like, the best, uh, Branzino, some of the best pasta I ever had in my life. Ate there, more than any other place I ate in Toronto the time I was there. It's, Mm. like, we took Ava in there and shortly after she was born, like had her in the car seat in there just to get out the house. But like, we were always in there. We knew the waitress and the bartender it was so small. We knew everybody in there. we were always in there. Um, if you get a chance to go, you should go there. Um, great food, great place. Like, like eight o'clock dinner, like you get in there, they stay playing good music in there too. Like it's, you know, it's a real nice, like low key spot. Small. There you go. Yeah. But nice.
0: I'm looking at the locations because I haven't heard of either of these, but one is in Little Italy. That's Soto Voce. And then the other one Yes, is...
1: Little Italy. We were always over there. Casamoto's in the uh is over in the, like where all the shopping and stuff is at. It's like by the by I forget the area of your name, but it's like over there. It's like the yes. It was weird, if you've been honest, because I had never seen anybody like that. Like, he was one of the first, you know what I mean? There was no, he was so ahead of, like, it was like, some nights it would just be like, yo, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like, how, what is he doing? Like, you would see him switch every position, block the shot, get the rebound, push it, throw a pass between his legs, like, to the guy that's, like, to get a layup or, like, he was just an amazing passer. <clears throat> and an amazing player, and I think a lot of things that he did didn't get the highlights they should have got because back then when you were the guy, you were supposed to be the score, the leading scorer that did the – you know what I mean? Like it was so – that was such a thing, and he wasn't that. Um, and I think people uh, wanted wanted more because he had so much talent, they were like, I want more out of that. But he was just the – he was one of those guys, you had to just have him on the floor and let him just – be the game. Just let him do what he does. He, his hands will be all over the game when it's over. He'll have 13, 8, 7, 6, and 5. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be like that. Um, and I and that was the greatest thing about him. And he was, like, super, super cool, too. Like, funny dude, cool dude. <clears throat> no, him in today's NBA is he's a major, major problem. Yeah move yeah yeah he was the only person I ever saw block Kevin Garnett's fadeaway you know Kevin (laughs) Garnett shot the ball way above his head especially younger KG when he was jumping on the fadeaway the turnaround only person I ever saw get to that shot I and that's I remember that vividly because I was like yo I'd never see anybody get to that
0: damn damn I remember it was a big deal in Pascal. He he <clears throat> blocked Kevin Durant's uh, a three point shot, but it was from the side. It wasn't like the way we're talking about. It. Like oh, gee, he's one of the people that's like kind of mastered that left hand block. You know, he does that really well. But uh, the one that Pascal did on KD, even that was just like, well, like we don't see Kevin get blocked very often. But the KG one that was yeah. different. Like he had that shot, and it was whether if he missed, it was on him. It wasn't on the defender. Facts. <laughs> facts, facts, facts.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: did you hear this uh this thing from mario chalmers who said that people in the nba don't don't fear lebron you hear that
1: yeah i saw that yeah yeah um, i mean i don't think anybody should fear him yeah but i i get what he's trying to say though like it's like that thing we're talking about with the youngest like it's the change of the guard happening right like mm. and they and they they just look at him like he fooled like we're going at him like and I think they should look at him like that. I don't think they should disrespect him. I think we got this thing like, you know, one. so one thing I I will say, I don't like in the league where, like, it's looked at as like, like, say I'm a first, second-year player, and there's a guy, high-level guy, and we in a battle in the midst of the game, and yeah. we start talking, going back and forth, and they're like, you can't say that to him. I'm like, why not? We competing. Like, I'm not disrespecting you in the midst of this game where we're competing by talking back to you. I'm standing up to you. Because in the, in the heat of the moment, like, the, at the end of the day, I don't got to be better than you yeah. tomorrow, yesterday, for 15 years. I just got to be better than you right now. And right now, we in a battle. When we step off this court, we I will respect everything that you've done mm-hmm. and will do or your whole career, whatever. But right now, in this moment, my, uh, my objective is to beat you. Right. We, we, we standing eye to eye right here. Like, you a man like me. Like, we not about to, you not about to sun me because you won the championship last year. It's like that clip. Remember when, um, when uh, Cameron Payne was talking trash and they was like, yo, you was at home last year. You don't yeah. get to talk trash. Remember that? That's, right. that's, that's bullshit. Hmm. Like, you know, like, I'm beating, I'm kicking your tail right now. Mm. deal with it feel me like you don't get to bring up something are we talking about right now you don't get yeah. the or like you know what i mean you don't get the rub that in my face you should be applauding me i was at home last year and now i'm on tv kicking your ass you feel me like yeah 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 like that's not an insult to me like it wouldn't be to me i'm just saying like that's And I don't, and that's not me. I don't think it's disrespect. But then when those guys is up and they winning, they can dance on the sideline, bottle flip, do all this, whatever. And it's not disrespect. Like this work both ways. Like, you know what I mean? Like you winning, you having fun because you winning, you dominate. All good. I'm going to take my, I'm going to take my whooping and I'm going to keep it moving. But when you getting yours, don't, don't try to throw everything else back in my face in this moment. Like you don't get to do that. Yeah.
0: It's unclear from the quote if he's talking about now or historically. because uh, historically- I, I, th- I
1: think it's more now. Like, I think it's more now, like the – because, yeah. the like, you've seen the last couple of years the way he's had his altercations yeah. with younger guys and the whole thing. And I was like – and I think people have steered away from, like, you know, it is a thing where people don't, you know, have altercations with certain guys because of certain things. But I'm like, the dude's are hungry and trying to win, and we in competition. Right. This is healthy competition. It's not like we saw him on the street. And it was like, "Yo, you suck, bro. Like, like, <laughs> like we went at him on the street on some random, like, no, be right. right. playing right. basketball. <laughs> like, this, like, don't tell me it's part of the game. But then when it's my turn to use that part of the game, that is disrespectful. Don't, you can't do that to me. Like, cause you can say whatever you want. You can throw at me that you won rings and done as you have. You did it. That's yo. that's a tactic you trying to mess with my mind. You're trying to get me to bow down. I don't have to bow down for what you did. I respect it. I do. I, I respect it. That's why you're getting the best out of me, because I respect you. That's why you're getting the fight that you're getting from me, because I respect who you are and what you've done. That's the ultimate respect to me, is you bringing the best out of everybody, because they know they need their best to beat you. That's the ultimate respect.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to look it up and see if uh, what what he was talking about. It's not exactly clear from the quotes because yeah. the the idea that I got yeah, yeah, exactly. is that he is that he was saying like overall, you know, from top to tail, because he was doing MJ comparisons too, saying people yeah. you know, they feared MJ but they didn't fear LeBron, and there was videos that were going around of several coaches talking about how LeBron James like is calling out your plays before you, you run yeah. and that, you know, the adjustments he's making in inside games, like he's a step ahead of you all the time. And I think that is kind of scary, actually, <laughs> if someone was well, like, how oh, would, how would,
1: how would, how would Mario chalmers know that if Michael Jordan was feared or not, <laughs> like how would Mario Charmers, me and Mario, the same age, we had the same high school class. We was McDonald's Americans together. I, I know Mario. Like, how would he know that? Like I, he know the stories and the same stories that people said about Michael Jordan when LeBron's out the league in years from now, they're gonna tell the same stories about LeBron James. Like that I, I I do not doubt that. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna be somebody like Magic Johnson on TV telling the stories like he talking about Michael Jordan. They're gonna be telling the stories about doing the heat, doing all the doing all the whatever. It's like it's gonna be somebody doing that. Like that's the way this go. Like I understand what he's trying to say, and I don't think I don't even think I should. It should be equated to fear. Like I don't know if that's the word that I use. Like like coaches fear them, yeah. Coaches fear them. Players don't. I don't think the players fear Michael Jordan. I think they respected him. Like like I think I think the way the bad boys approached the Bulls was the ultimate respect to Michael Jordan because they was like this. Is the only way we got a chance to beat him, we're gonna have to tear him to the floor. That's respect. It's not fear. That's like, I gotta figure out a way to win. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the word for that. I don't like that word. Like, I think coaching staffs, because they like, man, this is a nightmare. I gotta figure out how to stop this dude. They can use that word, but players don't, at least me as a player, I don't use that word. Like, I'm not scared. And even if I got my tail beat, even if I got my got it handed to me, I wasn't scared. They just got the better of me. They beat me. They was better. Like, it's just the case.
0: I don't think you get to the NBA if you're fearful of uh, the other, if your competition. So,
1: because <laughs> if I'm scared, what's the point of me even going? Exactly. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to go. I don't want to play against him. I'm not but going it's also, to the it, NBA. It then. contributes
0: to a mentality too. It's like you have a mentality that helps you, you know, per- persevere through situations when you're getting to the NBA, like you just had an extra gear, a confidence in yourself, um, a force within you that puts you in a position to get to the NBA. So just because like, maybe when you're rookie year or sophomore year, maybe you're like, damn, that's LeBron James. That's whoever. But after that, it's like, it's, I'm trying to win a game. Right. So.
1: And not even that's not fear; It's just like unconfident. It's unsure. It's not fear. You just haven't had a chance to grow. Like, like it's like trying to get a baby to walk. Like they they might take three steps the first time. They're like, all right, I'm going back down to what I'm comfortable with. The more they walk, next thing you know, they're running. Yeah,
0: I'm chasing my son every single day. Okay, <laughs> appreciate you so much, CJ. This was a terrific episode. Man, um, it was amazing. Hour and a, and a half. Damn, stuff. my mic was a lot on of good stuff the entire time. Though. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm gonna see after recording this how much. Uh...
1: I got my. Yeah, I got my. I had to buy. I had to buy a travel mic. I had to buy. I had to buy
0: a new I gotta buy USB. 100%. I got to buy a new mic probably this weekend. This okay. was
1: like $75 probably, I think. I don't know. It wasn't crazy.
0: I should probably just go get one. I'll do that this weekend and make yeah. that my, my mission. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, the Raptors do play the Pistons tonight. Hoping to whoever that you pray to that they are going to win that game and they will continue to win over the next few weeks. And, uh, yeah, oh, we'll see yeah, you CJ probably next week.
1: Yeah man always a pleasure how <laughs>